What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Josue Rivera, here at the Simple Christian Podcast. Today, I got my man, Ethan. He's going to be joining us in today's discussion about John chapter 8, verse 31 to 38, talking about the nominal life of a Christian or a disciple uh, life of a Christian. So let's go right into this. Yo, what's going on? What's going on, I Ethan? Like this, this is a nice beat. <laughs> yeah, I thought the beat was it's pretty nice. nice. I've, I've had the same beat for a while. I felt like uh, when you go to YouTube and you get this free royalty music, this is, free? This is one of the best ones. Yeah, this is really clean. I like it. It's not bad, man. Nice. So, uh, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, today we're going to chat about John chapter eight, right? Yep. Did God call us to live a nominal life uh, as a Christian, or are we called to be? A disciple. Maybe we can begin by saying, "How do you define nominal oh, Christianity?" I was ask you that. Okay. Let me. Answer, so I go first. You got to go first. Okay. So I kind of want to go. Okay, I'll, I'll just give it. So I think when we take the word nominal, we have the dictionary definition. Mm-hmm. There's two, and then outside of that, applying it to our conversation because we are talking about faith, there are two different views or perspectives on what nominal is supposed to look like. But dictionary definition. Um, it just means that it can mean a, it's like a face value thing. So like mm-hmm. the mask, um, nominal can just be a mask. So for example, oh, so-and-so is a nominal athlete. Like they wear the clothes or they are nominal fan. Oh, they wear the clothes. They mm-hmm. might go to the games, but really they're only going there because it's hype and they, they, they couldn't care any less in the week. You ask them who their favorite player is or who, um, what their, what, you know, specific stats about the team. They don't really know much. The other thing about nominal too, is that it refers to, it can refer to not just Maybe a little bit deeper, but shallow yeah. base level. So not not deep. Could you could yeah. you say that that a nominal Christian is like a bandwagon Christian? Uh, certainly, yeah. There's certainly I would say yeah. I yeah. Mean, especially I think the South. I think the South a lot of nominal Christians because it's so very normalized in the mm. Bible Belt. Yeah. Or like up here in the Northeast, we have a lot of <laughs> nominal Catholics. You're right. You're what, right. Is, what does a nominal Catholic look like this way up here? Uh, a nominal Catholic, my experience of going around Fairhaven is someone who says, uh, I did my confessions um, and uh, I went to Sunday Mass and that's about it. Oh, and I, I have a tattoo of the rosary on my wrist. I would say even less. I'd be like, oh yeah, I have a tattoo. Most people are nominal. I have the rosary tattoo. And uh, <laughs> I, can't be, I can't remember the last time I've been at church, but you know, I, 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 pray, to, I pray to God. Once in a while, you know what I'm saying? That's what they sound like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, that's what I see, like, as nominal, like. They're speaking in the heavenly dialect. Yes, because they, they know it. <laughs> but they, 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 don't even, they don't even go to mass. <laughs> I don't no, know. I'm still Catholic, though. Still Catholic. You know, I just I just feel like it could be it could be like what you said. You know, it's like having someone who roots for a team, um, and they don't know the star player. They don't know, no. you know, what they usually do, the routines of the team. Mm-hmm. So it's like a nominal Christian, I guess, if I'm going to answer the question, or you know add to it is is someone who poses christianity who probably is a a fan mm-hmm. of christianity of, of who jesus is but um certainly not someone who is trying to you know shout from the rooftops and, and trying to you know give everyone the good the, the gospel message here's a good split is are all nominal christians created equal meaning like 
are there different types of nominal Christians? Would you? Oh, we're going we're going into like subcategories now. Yeah, I, I probably shouldn't go too far, but it'd be good like to kind yeah, of discuss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- I think so. I think um, some. I feel like the the top nominal Christians are those who probably just got introduced to to Christianity, and and they're probably at a right from became believers and borderline are seeking discipleship. Mm. And then you have those who are nominal Christians who are probably in the sin of familiarity mm. or like, I'm mm-hmm. so familiar with Christianity that I've just descended from potential discipleship into cavalier into, I'm just kind of going with the flow. I'm going with the punches. Okay, yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've done this before. I know John three sixteen. you know, I know the, the, the road to Romans or Romans way. Um, it doesn't go any further than that. Because I think, yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. Because outside of that, you can't, if we were to define it even less, like, oh, yeah, I, th- an anomal Christian is someone who says they love God but doesn't even go to church, mm. like, at all, or like maybe once a year. That, would I would say, turns into rebellion as a Christian. If you're a Christian, if you're truly a Christian, that's no, not, that's no longer nominal. I mean, th- technically, mm-hmm. this kind of spills into what I'm gonna, I want, I'd like to say later, but mm-hmm. technically, if you're literally a, essentially abandoning God like that, then you're not even, nom- you're just, you're just a rebellious Christian. Yeah. And you say that you're nominal, which is, <laughs> which is really bad. Yeah. I mean, as, as, <laughs> as long as you're, as long as you pray before you sleep and, and you thank God before you eat, I think you were on, on the road to heaven, right? Because that's typically what someone who will say, I'm a follower of Jesus do that. The bare minimum is, right. you know, I, I'm doing Thanksgiving. Yep. But does Thanksgiving just end at words or does it begin in action? Right. And so it jumps right into our segue here in John 8, chapter 31, where it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I think I want to stop there because there's so much more to be said about the following verses. But back to what I was saying about someone who says, I do the bare minimum, I say the bare minimum, and I don't do, I don't, I don't really put what I say in action. Jesus saying here, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple. So, what does abiding in God's word look like? Well, I mean, you could, it's as simple as addressing, I hate to, maybe that sounds condescending. It's, the best way to do it is approach the word abide right off the mm. bat. So, what does abide mean? And because I'm no, I'm Greek. no scholar. I'm no, no Greek, Greek scholar. scholar. <laughs> I am, I'm an aspiring <laughs> Greek scholar, which is why I love the blue letter Bible that I told you should get into. But oh no! <laughs> not that. Um, if so, abiding just literally means you just translate it living. Mm. Like living is it? You could say consuming if you wanted to make a little intensity, but it literally just means it's, it's just part of your everyday life. So if you abide in my word, the King James says, if you continue in my word. Well, if you marry those two words together because they're two different translations mm-hmm. of the same word, are you continually change the word abide to living? Are you continually living in my word? If you're doing that, then you're my disciples. Mm. Well, what does continually living mean? Thankfully, it can mean different things for different people. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, what's, what does that mean? Way, what does it mean for someone to continue to live in the word? I think someone to... Baseline. Baseline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To, to someone to really just continue living in the word, um, I, would, I would say is, you know, in, in involve or incorporate whatever you can in your I day-to-day agree. walk. Like someone who lives and breathes in in the church, right, probably has more opportunities to do the things of the Lord because they're in an environment where prayer is is accepted. Mm-hmm. But for me, for me to pray at like a military unit in front of people to find that type of like uh, privacy, not so much. 
It's harder. It's a lot harder. It's, it's, it's more complicated because there's like a time and place, but the time and place can be slim. I mean, right. I mean, think of someone who's a police officer, probably patrolling the area. The most he can do is probably drive and pray at the same time. Yeah. But someone who's more active, I don't know, construction working, they can't do a lot of these things. Yeah. They don't have these uh, opportunities to, to really find a place where they can pray and, and they can ask the Lord and they can do that. And so some would say stuff like, I don't have the time. You know, say I don't have the time to read. I don't have time to, to pray. Let alone, you know, find some a time in the day when I get home. Then I got have more responsibilities. So how do I abide in God's word when, like, I I don't have the time for it? You know what I'm saying? I would, say, I would say those people who are struggling with that, I feel for them because they probably are under bad teaching. Mm. Because, look, you can abide. You can be someone if, you can be a committed Christian and have 15 minutes a day dedicate to God. Mm-hmm. And you know you commune with him, commute with him, uh, communicate with him throughout the day, and be more committed than someone who has two hours of the day that they spend absolutely. The Bible, but because they're not intentional, because they're not like, wow, this is like my time with God. You know, if you only have fifteen minutes, but you committed, like God, I only have fifteen minutes, but I desire to have more, so this is what I'm going to give you right now. Absolutely, fifteen strong minutes. Mm-hmm. Man, that's so much better than like someone being like, oh yeah, I'm going to read my Bible. I mean, they read the Bible, <laughs> but I, ta- I preached my message yesterday. Oh, yeah. I read the Bible. I know this now. Cool. Did they glorify God by reading the word? Mm. Yes, but did their attitude glorify God? Because was no, because it wasn't intentional. Mm. There's nothing like there's no passion or zeal behind that. It's just I'm going to read God's word to read God's word. And and the reason why I said they're under bad te- those people who feel like they can't give that much time, so they can't be that committed. If they're under bad teaching, is because a lot of churches, and sometimes I'm guilty of saying this. I'm I'm learning to draw back a little bit with how I define committed Christianity. But like, hey. You give God what you can. Mm-hmm. You know, the, that lady who gave to God, and I, I didn't pull up the passage here, but who gave to God one mite, you know, a penny, like less mm-hmm. than a penny, like right. not even a day's worth of work, wages. She gave that to God. She dropped that in the coffers at, at the temple, and, and Jesus was like, ah, that, I yeah. love that. And then you have these, these rich people who are like dropping, you know, let's just say in, t- in today's American context, oh, $100,000. But they're making, you know, let's just say hundred billions of dollars. Like, oh yeah, I gave everything. Like, oh yeah. yeah, you gave a lot more than she did. But from the heart, mm-hmm. I got what I I got what I was looking for from her. Mm. And people don't realize, like, hey, whatever you have, whether it's a lot or little, like, if you're intentional and purposeful with it, you give because Jesus knows that as you grow in your intention and your pur- like, either a he's going to give you more mm-hmm. so that you can give more to him, right, 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 or right. b, you know, a Maybe I will give you more space in your day. You know, I'll, I'll alleviate some of the burdens in your life just so mm-hmm. that you can spend more time with me. Or maybe I didn't think of this. Maybe C, he says, hey, then if all you can give me is those 10, 15, 20 minutes, I will make those the sweetest 10, 15, 20 minutes in your entire life every single day. Mm. So, again, with those three different, like, things, it's like you being, being – yeah. it's, it's not that hard to be committed per se practically wise, but the hardest part is the heart. I think the committed part is there seems to be uh, a, a, some standard that we, 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 we've created mm-hmm. and, and thought that the more time I give God, the more committed I am to God. But then we also forget that God knows the intentions of people's hearts and, and God understands the responsibility that people have. Yes. And so I, I do believe that whenever I talk to God, whenever I have a time where I just can't pray, I'm just, mm-hmm. I just feel hard. I feel like the day was so stressed out. I never not think, Wow, God cannot understand me. It's like, no, God understands you. 
He understands your situation. He understands what you're going through. He understands your feelings and, and people. And, and while you're listening to this, respect your thoughts and feelings. Don't discard them as if that's something to be discarded or unworthy or not acknowledged. God does acknowledge how you feel. Mm-hmm. What kind of parent wouldn't acknowledge how our kids feel? Right. It doesn't take much to know that your kid's probably not as happy just by the glance of his face or a, a change of his attitude. Like something here's not right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and a good parent knows their kid better than anyone else. So when it comes to abiding God's word, it looks like just know that it looks different to it, it looks different to everyone. Yeah. But the end result is looking like God. Like more, yeah, more like Jesus. More like Jesus. 100%. 100%. If one is saying, I'm, a, I'm abiding God's word, but their speech doesn't reflect, their fruit doesn't reflect, who they are doesn't reflect, then there's probably something else going on. Yes. There's some disconnect going on. The other verses, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, referring to Jesus being God. He will set you free from your sins, from the slavery of of sin and and culture and tradition, right? Verse 33 says, they answered him, we are offsprings of Abraham and have never been a slave to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Let's stop there. A slave to sin. Uh, I, I think... People at times try to use the word, um, m- maybe mistake, maybe bad habits, and use it in exchange of the word sin. sin. Yeah, it's, it's not a sin. It's just a bad habit. It's not that bad, you know. Uh, I only, I only curse or about to curse and a few times. They try to they try to kind of water down the level of transgression that God puts on the emphasis that he will, he will put on. But God says no. Um, when you commit one sin, you've become a slave to that sin. Which is why he emphasizes repentance. Mm-hmm. I think that's one reason why... I'm sorry if I'm interrupting what your thought. No, no. You go, okay. That's why he emphasizes so much, like, hey, like, just so you know, relationally as a believer, there's nothing you can do that can separate yourself from my love. You're going to heaven. But if you want to be... If you truly want to say you're committed, if you truly want to be used by God, then you have to continue to repent mm-hmm. because sin doesn't have to, you don't have to stack up sin for it to affect you. Mm-hmm. One sin is enough. Um, so yeah, that's just my thought with that, man. Like just Yeah, you know, no. A, a and committed Christian who commit, so a committed Christian who commits sin because they will commit sin. Absolutely. There's never a point where you do not commit sin. The only, the only person who, com- who reaches that point ever as a human is Jesus. <laughs> right, <laughs> he will never, right. He never. So we're broken. So the, the difference between a committed Christian and an nominal Christian, when the committed Christian commits sin, mm-hmm. he's committed. So what's he going to do? Oh, no. God, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. God, I repent. Mm-hmm. And I, mean, I think about, look at it this way. You look at someone who goes to the gym because just so they can go to the gym, and you go, you say, you find someone who goes to the gym because they have goals. Mm-hmm. Well, if a committed Christian who goes to the gym misses one day, like, ah, oh, I missed one day. Or, oh, I just had a bad meal. That's eh, fine, whatever. Right. But you have someone who's committed, like, hey, I have goals. They're like, man, I got to make up for this. I get. It doesn't take much for them to get back on track because no. they have that goal. Exactly. So if your goal is Christ, then it's not like you have to, you know, like a lot of, unfortunately, Roman Catholics do where mm-hmm. they believe that they have to inflict self-harm in order to get right with God. Like, they mm-hmm. don't have to do that. 
we just have to be sincere and like course correct immediately. Mm-hmm. It's a relationship. Father, I'm so sorry. Like I, I just had that impure thought. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that stops my walk with you from going the direction it should. So I know you're ready for me. Right. And I'm ready to turn back. Right. Help me to, to stay focused. focused. Yeah. Perfect. Focused on you. And that's right. a good word too. If you want to talk about maybe describing a committed Christian, a committed Christian is focused on mm-hmm. the right things, mm-hmm. things that matter. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I, it's like there's uh there are, there are quality traits or characteristic traits of someone who is a, a committed Christian, a, a committed Christian is someone who will slip into sin, right? Not just walk into sin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a committed Christian is someone who's focused on God. Um, it, it's someone who is pursuing godliness, who's, re, who's pursuing righteous judgment. A, p- a person who is saying, how can I reflect God today? And how can I give God all the praise? I think the nominal Christian is someone who says, well, how can I use Christianity to my own benefit at mm, times. Yep. It's like a handkerchief to I someone's agree. tuxedo. How can how can I go in a place and and somehow use this to my own gain, to my own benefit? Sometimes uh, a nominal Christian, if he's winning the friendship war with a committed Christian, the nominal Christian is, is doing more of the hindrance to the committed Christian. Right. He is he is sort of saying, hey, it's not that bad. Hey, we all sin. They say a lot of the cliche things, whereas the committed Christian is like, it's like, no, it's bad. It's the fact that you don't hold to God's standard the way he holds it. It's why you've became or you've become nominal or remain nominal mm-hmm. because you think everything is just, you know, well, he's going to forgive you of my sins and that's all. Yeah, I mean, you, so you have to love, we have to love people. Absolutely. We have to love them in a way that points them back to Christ, but at the end of the day, what you're saying is 100% correct because love, love doesn't, being loving includes truth speaking. And so speaking the truth and love mm-hmm. to, okay, so you have a, a, let's say a first time believer, like you're going to give them some grace to grow because mm-hmm. they need that. Yeah. Um, but for the, for the Christian, for, for someone who's been a Christian for years, right? what's happened to their heart? Well, I am generalizing, but usually their heart's been hardened mm-hmm. by something. Right. Does that take loving through grace giving? Yeah. Ma- a lot of the times it comes through like, hey, dude, I don't know where you got off on this track here mm-hmm. or who was supposed to disciple you, but that's wrong. Yeah. And I'm telling you this because I love you and I'm willing yeah. to, the heart, you know, I'm willing to walk with you through this because mm-hmm. <laughs> you need Jesus and some personal accountability. But, you know, like, like you're saying, which mm-hmm. I think you're you're really good. You helped me with that. Mm-hmm. You said some things to me, and I've talked to Caitlin. Like, man, my wife. I'm like, man, like, Josue said something, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I needed that. It yeah, feel good. But, yeah, uh, it's hundred percent. He nailed the he 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 hit the hit nail on the head. <laughs> uh, you know, way. it's it's like <laughs> it's like there's there's there isn't anything that that initially feels good about having to you know. Tell someone, hey man, like you're living in sin, or you're, you you seem like you're oh wayward. I, I, I get sick when I have at to first. That, at first, you're like, oh. but you know, the greater yes. result is, I love you enough to tell you the truth, mm-hmm. right? I I yeah. rather I rather have that. Whereas, I wanted to get to this point here before yeah, we follow right. up is the slave to sin. 
someone who is a slave, not just to sin, but a slave to anything, mm-hmm. there's a hardening issue that went on. 100%. If not continuing. Mm-hmm. And so nothing really bothers them. But when a slave is set free, attempt to try to go to him and say, hey, man, you want to go back to being a slave? He's going to shout, you crazy. Yeah. I don't want that life. Why? You, you had it a few minutes ago. Yeah, but I've been set free. Yeah, but you were there all your life. But I've been set free. And so the conviction just pours out of their heart with, I didn't know how bad I had it until I was set free. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a prisoner doesn't know how well he has it until he leaves prison and becomes free and says, I want nothing to do with that. Unfortunately, a lot of the time what happens is they fall back into a lot of those old ways that would go back to being back in prison. Mm-hmm. Right, the whole human modification, exchanging one sin for the next sin. Yeah. That's a, a different topic, a different sure. conversation we can have. But ultimately, when Jesus says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Freedom sort of brings about tons of feelings. Mm-hmm. A freedom of sin, a freedom of bad habits, a freedom of depression. I mean, you, you still be depressed, but you, you know the things that Christ offers, you know the end goal. You know that you can always go to the Lord for anything. Yes. Whereas before you did not know the Lord, and let's say you walked in Christianity and you were emotionally drawn in to just accept Christ through a prayer, and you, you, you do the prayer, no discipleship, no true whether or not you were saved. You're just kind of going with your way. It's like, are, are you truly abiding in Christ? You're not reading his word. Oh, but I'm, I'm, I'm listening to Christian music. You can't supplement a meal with more supplements. You either get the f- meal or you're going to be taking in a whole bunch of pills that's going to make you feel awful later. Yeah, just to, just to reinforce what you're saying, um, in Acts, this is one that I, I thought was really good when we're talking about the word from John chapter 8. So really quick, let's read that. that I want to read that verse again. Mm-hmm. Um, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word... Mm-hmm. Then you are my disciples indeed. When he said continuing was, we married two translations and said continuing just means um, daily living in your word, right? I think that's what he said. Mm-hmm. Like that. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, there we read, verse 10, sorry, verse 10. Um, it says, And the brethren, Christians, mm-hmm. immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now in Berea, we read of a church that in verse 11, the Christians at Berea are being spoken of in verse 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Mm-hmm. And why were the Bereans more noble than the, uh, than the Thessalonicans? Well, because in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So part of being a committed Christian is just, look, if you're hearing the word on a regular basis, mm-hmm. then you have an obligation and responsibility to search it out. I, I love how, you know, our, our pastor, uh, Russ Smith, he's not the only pastor that says this. Mm-hmm. I'm th- thankful that he basically, he makes it a point to make sure people know, hey, like, I am not the apostle. <laughs> I, I'm not apostle Russ. And yeah. I'm not, I'm not elder Russ. I, I'm simply, past, I'm Russ Smith the Christian. And so he says, when I say things, you have every right to check God's word and challenge me if you see something that's Absolutely. not lining up. I love it because that's what we're called to do as Christians. We're not mm-hmm. called to sit and have this, here's, an, here's the opposite of a committed Christian. 
in tandem with being a nominal Christian, a consumer Christian. I, mean, I think you've done podcasts on that, right? Maybe. Maybe. I think what was it? What's consumer Christian defined uh, as? So consumer Christian is someone who like basically says, hey, what can I get out of this? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're in Christianity for or in churches for what can I get out of this experience? So there is not, these, these guys aren't consumers. They're like listening, these mm-hmm. Bereans, uh, Acts 17, 11, if whoever's listening just want to look this up. But they, they were more noble because they they read, not only did, not only did they, re- wow, slow down here. Not only did they receive the word with, it says readiness of mind, like they're ready to hear it, mm-hmm. and search the scriptures daily. Mm. To what effect? Whether the things that they heard were true and accurate. Absolutely. So they're hearing this truth, and they're going, all right, I like that, I trust you, but I trust God more. So let me just mm. check up on that real quick and make sure. And even, guys, even just that, like, that alone, if all you did was take, maybe you're trusting you just go to one service a week. If all you did in mm-hmm. your week was you pray, you know, you talk to God throughout your day, and then you take your Sunday sermon, mm-hmm. and then you just you just break it apart and say, okay, let's check this. Okay, cool. Th- that will grow somebody exponentially. I know people who have grown exponentially through that. That's I went to ministry school, and one of the reasons why some of them were there was because, oh, yeah, dude, I started doing this. They're like, man, I want to get, I want to get better at this. I want to be able to give the word. A lot of these guys I went to school with mm-hmm. at the ministry school, like I heard such bad preaching, and the only reason I knew it was bad preaching is because I read, and I studied what they were saying. I'm like that's not true. So now I'm here because I want to learn how to do this the right <laughs> way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I um, I know a lot of things that could be a hindrance to to someone looking through the scriptures, growing in scripture would be a lot of the. Out of the distraction, so I, I would mm-hmm. say one of my questions for those who are listening in is: I, I it's so important for you to identify the distraction, right? Whatever is keeping you from being focused in Jesus and going from a nominal Christian to a disciple of Christ is to know what is the stumbling block. What is what is saying what is a lot a couple times? Um, what's in a way? What's yeah. holding you down? That's good. What's weighing you? What's ooh? That's good. Right? What's weighing you? What's the what is that thing that you know that Christ is calling you to, but you keep going back to and say, I can't let this go. I can't let my video games take, you know, I can't, I can't put it away. Um, I, you know, I, I could serve in the church because I got a few extra hours, but why not make a few extra bucks? Um, you know, if you're young or whatnot, you know, sometimes your friends can be a major stumbling block. Huge. Stum- it's huge. How many people would stop doing what they're doing if their friends just stopped doing what they were doing? It's almost like the sin and their freedom, it also hinges on their friends and their bad habits. If my friend could stop drinking, I would stop drinking because I like hanging out with him. So if he stops, it makes it easier for me to stop. Well, that just, just as I think that without even realizing it, that kind of brings our conversation a little bit full circle because at the end of the day, there will always be nominal Christians in the church, mm. whether by by situation where you know they're a new Christian, mm-hmm. or situation where they haven't been discipled properly, or or you know by choice where they're like, you know, it'd be really good to actually yeah. see if I can get Pastor Rosen here and ask some yeah. questions. Yeah, Maybe you luck. could be here as well. <laughs> good luck. I know, I know. Maybe uh, I'll give him a call and say, "Hey, Pastor Ross, what does discipleship looks like?" But well, I mean, Maybe I can ask you that. What is what is, what does that like discipleship looks like? Um. At a at face value, discipleship is the process of becoming more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. You could all, honestly sanctification and discipleship go hand in hand. There's self discipleship where you're becoming more like Christ th- through the only person discipling you is the Holy Spirit. Right. But I think the best way that discipleship happens is through the church, yeah. where 
you know, discipleship isn't a class. Discipleship is how do you live like Jesus in your everyday life, which actually kind of takes me to what I was thinking earlier. If I can, can I tie in what I think of? Do- yeah, 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 nominal? go ahead, okay. go ahead. So there's two types of nominal, right? We have the view, the world's view of nominal, and we have Christ's view of nominal. The The idea of nominal with the world is that, um, you know, you're just a boring everyday person. Mm. That's nominal. No one wants to live a nominal life. Um, you know, and then, so that's, uh, that's just the world. Now, on the Christ, on the Christian side, I see two different definitions. Mm. And you can disagree with me if you want to. I'm actually starting to disagree with one. I'm still going to say it, though. So one is you're nominal in that, like we're talking about, we're like, you're settling. Okay. Okay, I see what you're right? saying. But then, then, where there's a definition here in nominal where it says, uh, um, of a price or amount of money, very small or far below the real value or cost. It's so like you settling yourself short? Sort of, but like not looking for like a lot of fame is almost what it sounds like to a lot of people. Mm. So I would say for the Christians, you don't want to be nominal in the fact that you're not pursuing Christ. You have to, you know, we are warriors for the gospel. We're truth carriers, we're light carriers. So we absolutely must fight for that. Mm-hmm. Don't be nominal with that. But where I think where I'm starting to come in more, getting more in touch with in my personal walk is the, the humble side. Like, it's okay to appear nominal. Mm. I don't do it for people. Yeah. I just pursue Jesus for Jesus. And if people see me, great. If they want to ask me questions or even, like, follow me as I follow Christ, great. But there is a side to that word, which, again, we maybe we'll disagree on. And I'm starting to, starting to disagree with because I just don't like that word nominal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like, mean, uh, what, like, what, what other word would you say? Like, comfortable? I, I don't Maybe comfortable. I don't know. I, I guess because I've heard nominal in different contexts, but mm-hmm. it's okay to be a, a person, a Christian who, you know, it's very, you're, I'm a very small, I'm a nominal Christian. I'm, ju- I'm just very small. I, Jesus gave me so much and I'm only doing this. But we said that earlier. Like, hey, if all you can do is just this, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I, I, so I, that that's kind of where I'm, that's, I don't, I don't think it disagrees with the conversation. It just gives it a little bit of a different twist. I think, uh, I think it's situational. Yes. I think that the lady in scripture who gave Christ the all she had was all she had. Yeah. In the culture, in the time, in the circumstance. Oh, yeah. And the situation she was going through. That they could, that can be us. That can be many of us if we choose to be dishonest about God and about ourselves and what we can do for the church and what we can do for the community and what we can do for the gospel. For instance. Oh, uh, sorry, honey, just clarify. You're talking about. The opposite of being the opposite of the lady. How we exactly okay, so for how inst- we avoid being like her. Got, gotcha. Right. So, for instance, um, just to clarify for everybody, there was a video of a, of a person who was in a wheelchair, no arms, no legs, had a straw, and was blogging for the gospel. Was blogging for Christ. Just you mean know, like blogging, literally straw, one letter at a time. That's crazy. Can we all do that? I got a whole bunch of straws in my hand without trying to make a, a joke, <laughs> right? <laughs> Do we limit ourselves in what we can do for Christ? Can we do blogging? Can we do vlogging? Can we do street ministry? Can we yeah. do a lot of different things? Absolutely. Yeah. But we still, not like the lady who literally only had one, we still try to offer God the very small sacrifice from a bigger sacrifice we can do. Like, right. God's like, I, I got it. I get it. This is what you brought to me. But you know you could do a lot more than this. Right, because we're not even talking, because I know... I, and this is not salvation yeah. or anything. Right, yeah. This is talking about 
how hard are you willing how hard are you willing to work for the kingdom right because i i know what you're saying because I, I know you like you you have i don't know if anybody you know i guess, I guess to give context to Osway's life he lives a he's a very pretty responsible life where like he's taking care of his family providing loves every his dad wife. does <laughs> <laughs> we wish. Uh, sometimes <laughs> uh, but no seriously that's actually a good yeah. point because you know, you dedicate time to your wife. You dedicate mm-hmm. time to your kids. You dedicate even time to serving your church. Mm-hmm. And and you dedicate time to, you know, developing this podcast. It's amazing what you're doing here. And But you're, you're doing, you know, I'm sure there's party that's like, could I do more? Yeah. 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 But but uh, you're doing that running group that is a ministry mm-hmm. to the guys that you're doing it with. Um, and, and, you know, could you do more? But you're doing, yeah, sure. But would it be responsible? I don't know. Probably not. So, you know, we're talking about, we're talking about giving more. We're talking about being responsible. So first of all, taking care of your own business as a person so that people don't mark you as a bad human being by mm. not taking, by ignoring your wife and ignoring right. your kids. So we're right. talking about those things aside. Like, yeah, a lot of us settle for, like, less than what we are convicted by God to give. So, for example, let's say that you, hey, you know what? On Sundays, that's my relaxing day. Yeah. And then and then that's my relaxing day. I don't have anything to do. I just go to church. Well, then if that's your relaxing day, you're just going to church. Maybe volunteer one Sunday a month for to be on a security team, making yeah. sure people are safe. Maybe volunteer one one Sunday a month to hey, I'll I don't even have to be the main teacher. I'll assist in whatever needs to be happening. And you know, for someone groups. and for someone who's a nominal Christian, joining ministries, joining groups, oh, getting being influenced by yeah. Christians who are not nominal, that will fuel you to escape nominality i guess yes. you want to call it or contentment yeah. you yeah. know you, you're like whoa like you know I, I i was helping out if you're a girl and you're helping out with the women's ministry or you're helping out with a daycare center and you meet that one woman who was actually on fire for the lord and all you need all you need and i guess metaphorically speaking is a burn from what she has you're like wow yes. i want to be like you or i want to i want to i want to live a life that's filled by the spirit not not someone who is just like going with emotions yeah Oh, you know what? That can, that finishes the thought I started earlier, and I mm-hmm. didn't finish it. I do that all the time. Gosh, sorry. Um, <laughs> it's all good. I'm trying to get better at it. All right. But that, that <laughs> finishes the thought I was saying earlier, where, like, all these people, they go to church. They never had a good example. It's going to continue being a, cy- a cycle until the people who are committed Christians in church mm. make an intention of, hey, like, I need to bring other – I'm committed. I know I, I need to bring other people with me. Absolutely. I got something good here with Absolutely. Jesus. I want I need to share. And so, you know, there's nothing I wouldn't say it's a sin, it's just an oversight thing where they and a wisdom thing where they forget, oh, like someone needs to come up behind me or mm-hmm. with me doing this. And so, you know, these nominal Christians, they they sh- you know, it's on them and it's also, you know, it's 100% on them and it's 100% too on the people who are committed to be like, "Hey, I'm not just called to serve Christ, I'm called committed and called to like equip and assist others in serving Christ. Absolutely. You know, yeah. So I mean, part of the... Because I think that's a full circle idea, right? Well, yeah. No, I believe that. I mean, I believe that in Galatians 6 um, talks about, you know, lifting up a brother who falls, right? It, it's not saying lifting up a, 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 a committed brother or a nominal brother. It's, it's lifting up a brother. Yep. And, and someone who is a nominal, a, a comfortable Christian, someone who's afraid of going the extra mile and, and trying to be consumed by God, that committed Christian lifting up that brother, I mean, again, that's an opportunity. Right, cool, because... An opportunity to demonstrate yeah. an example of a brother in Christ where people fail to experience that. People fail to have that. What they, what they say is, I remember I tried Christianity, like you try a, a vaccination or something, and it didn't work out for me. 
I tried Christianity for two years. I probably fell like 15 times, and no one came and extended their arm to me. Why? Oh, well, because, I mean, again, I'm very speculative of people who say I tried Christianity. It just sounds weird, yeah. It's, it sounds like, like yeah, and, you know, it just begs more questions. But, yeah, I mean, you want to escape this nominal Christian life. You want to. I, 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 tell, I tell anyone who is going with the most in Christianity, it's like, you're in a pit right now. You're in a pit, and this pit is going to feel comfortable. It's going to feel comfortable because you don't ever have to sweat. You don't ever have to get uncomfortable. And when you're on, uh, you're, when you're forced to always be comfortable, it's like that's a hard place to get out of when it comes to your walk with Christ. And I don't, I don't believe anywhere in Scripture I can think of where Christ asks you to be comfortable. If anything, he, he, he tells you if you're gonna, if you're gonna follow me, you gotta bear your cross. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna follow me, you can't just have one token and, and dig it in the ground. You have to actually sacrifice and it invest. and be willing and yeah. invest. Oh, but it's, I'm gonna lose. That's okay. Because you're never really truly going to lose because you're always going to gain because you already, you already have Christ. When you're committed, everything's a gain. Isn't exactly. I love that. Mark Cahill says in one, of his, in, in one of his books, one thing you can't do in heaven, and typically what the one thing you can't do is you can't talk to atheists in heaven, right? Mm. You can't talk to them. And he has this, this graph where he says, win, win, win. One Christian says, I, I went outside to the streets. I didn't know what to say. I just said that Christ loves you. And, and the person brushed him off, you still won. Win. You still win. You go outside, you tell someone about Christ, he rejects you after you give him the whole presentation, you win. still win. You have Christ, you go to someone's gravesite, and you're told to preach the gospel or do some sort of, uh, what was it called? It's like a small little short talk for someone. Yeah. People who are around who are probably not believers, you still win. You know why? Win. Because ultimately, winning isn't, isn't the result of people coming to faith. Winning is obediency. To God. To God. I love that. And when God sees your obediency, you're always going to win. Okay, can I, I had a passage that I thought was going to, that I told you earlier. Yeah. I found a killer Dude, passage. I know it's like Luigi. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but scratch it. I was going to tell you to stop. Um, all right. Are you familiar with the word, full, the phrase full send? Full send. I felt like I. I or send it. Ascend, yeah, okay. Or, or not, not ascend, send it. Send it? Yeah. No. All right. So that's what the boys say. All right. So what does full send mean? I'm just de- I'm <laughs> it's oh good. It's not an urban dictionary. We're safe. Urban <laughs> 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 urban dictionary says the phrase full send means to play hundred percent aggressively and to charge full force toward the enemy players. Mm. Um, but another definition that's on here, and again it's not an actual it's just a phrase, it's a uh, colloquial phrase. What does full send mean? YOLO, if you do something full send, especially in extreme sports, you are doing it. Full throttle and with 100% commitment, even if you end up failing. All right. In extended popular slang, full send has the sense of intense, hardcore, or without regard to consequences. All right. Case in point. We want to be able to turn the world upside down for Jesus, whatever that looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Well, who did? Who was? A, a, who were the OGs at turning the up world upside down? The 12 who? Disciples. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. So... Um, here's what Jesus tells the 12 disciples, Matthew chapter 10, verse five, he commissions them. Now this is now just to cap, just to clarify, this is to the disciples, not to modern Christians today, but why not fall in the footsteps of people who God says literally turn the world upside down, right? So mm-hmm. that's just to say it was given to them, but we can follow in their footsteps. We might not be given the same direct power 
by Jesus, but we still should follow those footsteps. Here we okay. go. He says, don't go in the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans enter you not, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And okay. The reason I read, read that is because if you read this passage, you're going to be like, yo, Ethan, that's actually written kind of racist because Jesus is saying ignore the Gentiles and specifically preach to Jews. That was your specific mission. Yeah. Our mission today is in Matthew chapter 28, preach to the world. Okay. But anyways, verse 7, it says, as you go, preach, saying mm-hmm. the kingdom of heaven is at, is at hand. Um, and then verse 9, provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your, perch, in your purses. Like, hey, you don't, you don't care about finances. You're mm-hmm. just going to preach. This says, nor script for your journey, nor neither two coats, nor shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. Basically saying, hey, like, don't worry about your clothing. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'll take care of that. I'm Jesus. I'm God. I'll take care of that. Um and, and into whatsoever city or town you enter, inquire or find out who in it is worthy mm-hmm. or who is there is willing to hear you out and stay there until you're ready to leave, basically is what the passage says. Um, in verse 14, it says, and whoever shall not receive you, which goes to what you were saying earlier, like, mm-hmm. hey, it's still a win. And whoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Now, here is a thing that some theologians might have some... Sp- um, speculation on it's neither here nor there. It's just interesting. Mm-hmm. Shake the dust off your feet. Well, it happens. Why would you have dust on your feet? Do you get dust on your feet from walking? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Or do you get dust on your feet from being like in a wrestling match where someone's trying to tackle you? Right, or right, you're right. running from someone trying to get hurt? Mm-hmm. So you say, hey, look, whoever will not receive you, he's implying someone's probably going to be offended by what you say. And he's referring to someone's home. Um, house or even just the city house in general, like Got it. or family community yeah. is what house could mean. Um, um, whether it's specific house or just house in general community, um, whoever won't receive you or hear your words, mm-hmm. you depart out of that house or of that city, shake the dust off your feet. Like, hey, mm-hmm. all right, on to the next one. Time to preach the gospel yeah. because at the end of the day, our goal, what Jesus is kind of r- implying here is that your goal is not for people to be healed. Your goal is not for people to be brought back to life or even to believe on my name, although that's great. That's a side mission. Yeah. The main goal is preach mm-hmm. this truth. And whoever will hear it, will hear it and receive it. Whoever will hear and receive, will hear and receive. Whoever won't, that's on them. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I think that's one ring. That's actually really good. I just saw this. One of the things that discourages people from being committed Christians is because they're like, I tried it. I didn't get any results. But like you are saying earlier, the win is not the results. The win is almost that process of, of obedience. Yeah, I, th- I think when, when people say, I've tried Christianity, um, they're, 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 they have to be put into question as, what do you mean by you tried Christianity? And, and we're going to like uh, land this in a few minutes. Um, because one can say, well, I tried the gym. Yeah, but how was your eating habits? Like, oh, I tried Christianity. Sure, but were you reading the scriptures? Were you, were you, were you in fellowship? Yeah. Yeah. Were you sincere? Were you genuine? Were you were you seeking the Lord? Not really. So don't don't say you you try Christianity to somehow give you an upper, you know, echelon or someone somebody else who says, "Hey, I'm a Christian." You're like, oh, I tried it. Gives you some authority because you said I did it for three years. Technically speaking, I could say I, I'm I'm still working at the, I'm, I'm still working in my previous job because they still have me write the books, but I'm not in the, I'm not I'm not there. I'm somewhere else, right? So you can say, "Hey, I'm I'm a Christian for three years," but if you're not attending these things not sincere about it those three years really weren't three years they probably were like a week worth of days mm. probably were like a month worth of days yep. and there's no point of doing something if you're not committed to doing it unless you, you unless you you have like a 
an alternative motive to doing these things, to give you an upper hand, an argument, a discussion. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and so this is where I come in with Isaiah 29, 13, where it says, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart are far from me. Their worship of me is basically on merely, hu- uh, merely human rules they have been taught. A nominal Christian, in my opinion, is someone who will enter the church, who will sing the songs, who will be a congregational with everyone, who will just sing songs and, and speak the talk. Mm-hmm. But the fruit is not there. It's not there. It's, a, it's like a weird farm, but there is no fruit in that farm. It's like I own this. I don't even work hard. Nothing is produced. But hey, at least you're part of the farm. I'm part of the farm. <laughs> Still, at yeah. least I, that's I, a really good illustration. I, I have like a Trader Joe, ch- um, you know, T-shirt. <laughs> I'm still there, you know. And so, some of the qualities, just quickly before we end this episode about nominal and discipleship is discipleship is sacrificial. Discipleship is in an investment. Discipleship is not overnight. Mm-hmm. Whereas the nominal, everything is instantaneous. You can become nominal overnight. You yes. don't have to sacrifice. You barely have to be uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, and, and more so than not, usually both camps tend to quarrel because one sees the other camp as you haven't repented of your sins, whereas one camp sees the other camp as you're an extremist. I want to be like you. Yeah. Any final thoughts? I just encourage four different people. So if you're not a believer and everything you're hearing is confusing to you or you want to know more about it, um, most ways to get you guys to reach out to. Are they able to reach out to you? Yeah, they can go ahead and reach out to me on my email address. I put it on the description below. Um, Anyone who's listening in, they either have my number or they can reach me on my email address. Again, I'm going to have it on the description below. Um, So them, you know, reach out and we will... Hopefully, we'll be super happy to share the gospel. He's, he's, he's done it for almost a lifetime. A couple of years. Speak. Yeah, a couple, well, a couple of years. Yeah. No, same time. Life, lifetime, a couple of years. Okay. <laughs> um, to the nominal Christian who has a desire to get closer to God but doesn't know how, um, you just need a mindset shift. Whatever you can give to God, do that. And and to the, to the nominal Christian who is far from God, mm. then... This is your opportunity. We're not, not your opportunity. We are, we're, we're, we're lovingly asking you to repent and, and start start fresh. Absolutely. Um, and for the Christian who is committed, hey, bring somebody else up, man. Think of how that next step mentality. Who can you bring up and encourage? Because whether they're nominal or rebellious or whatever, whatever in the world, like absolutely, you, you're you are valuable not just to your church, not just your community, not just to God, but to your, your, the kingdom, you know, like, so we'll bring up the next person so that we don't have to have these conversations. Absolutely not. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, it was a pleasure having you here, bro. Likewise. Deuce.